0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat
1: Talk Radio. We have the privilege of having Dr. Brian Hurley, the Medical Director for Amerivet Veterinary Partners, with us today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hurley.
2: Well, thanks for having me back, and uh, welcome to 2024.
1: Yeah, it is. It's our first show (laughs) of 2024. And we're glad to have you with us. We have an interesting topic today that was sent in by a listener. The listener said, so many people... Even those who have had cats for years have no idea about fatty liver syndrome and how urgent it can be to get your cat to a vet if not eating. I had a cat in the past who passed away, unfortunately, because our vet did not suggest we get her on IV. In the meantime, while we were trying to get whatever it was that was causing her not to eat diagnosed. I thought it would be good if you could tell people about it and how to know when you should take your cat to the vet to avoid this dangerous issue. Wow. That's uh, really, really sorry for the loss of your cat and and for this happening. Um, And it does seem like it's something that could be preventable. And Dr. Hurley's going to chime in on that for us. So let's, for those who have not ever heard of fatty liver syndrome, why don't you start by just telling us what, what it is.
2: So really uh, fatty liver syndrome is exactly what it says. It's where the body pulls the fat reserves from inside the body into the liver, and the fat, in essence, clogs the liver. Mm. That's really what it is. I mean, you might also hear hepatic lipidosis, which is more the um, medical term that, that would be diagnosed in our cats, but uh, lipid is fat. And so that is really what the process is and is oftentimes secondary to something else going on in the body. It's yeah. not really typically the primary diagnosis of, oh, your cat has fatty liver. It's just a secondary thing that unfortunately is, as this uh, re- or listener uh, experienced, a pretty significant uh, problem in our feline patients.
1: Yeah. Is it something that's unique to cats or do people get it? Do dogs get it?
2: We, we see it really in cats. That's where we're, you know, where we're diagnosing it. Um, I, I don't, you know, that is not something that I typically had to address in our canine patients. And, and I'm suspecting also in the, you know, on the human side as well.
1: Yeah. Interesting. But
2: that one, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and she said that it had to do with her cat, you know, not getting an IV, she thought, or, and, and not eating. Address, address that. What actually causes it? It, it? As you said, it could be a secondary response, but how does it, how does it start? So,
2: you know, What I always used to tell my feline patients, unlike humans and and cats, um, dogs, if you think about it, you know, when they go off their food, really realistically, you know, think way back. We can go quite a while without, you know, fluids, without, you know, without water, without food before our body starts to kind of suffer the effects. In our feline patients, because the, again, them being different, they start to pull the fat reserves when they're in a starvation mode. And I used to say, hey, you know, if a cat isn't eating for 24, 48 hours, it's time to seek veterinary care because I know that the body is going to start pulling fat into the liver and that's just going to complicate everything is IV fluids in the sense of fluids the the treatment that reverses that? No, absolutely not. What it does is it kind of helps the body and the organs continue their job, but ultimately we need to find you know the diagnosis and try to stop them from pulling that fat in, you know, into the liver. And so if you're going IV, it's really nutritional support. Think about what fluids are meant to do. It's to replace volume loss, right? And so fluids in, it, in its own sense is just replacing and maintaining a state of hydration, but you need that nutritional component as well. So it would be IV nutritional support, um, which can be done short term. But ultimately there's more aggressive ways to reverse and yeah. try to stop fatty liver.
1: So you mentioned 24 to 48 hours, that's not long at all. Um, it's not long, no. I, and so this can happen fast. It can happen fast. They
2: say that, you know, if a cat decreases their appetite 50 to 75% within two weeks they can start showing the signs of fatty liver. So imagine not eating, just flat out, not taking in any meals. And the hard part is unlike our dogs, where we have a better success rate, oftentimes of kind of force feeding, so to speak, um, you know, it's force feeding a cat.
1: is dangerous. (laughs) It's
2: not only stressful for the cat, but um, yes, imagine the stress that it can put on the, you know, the owner, as well as the concern of being dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah, wow. And and do you think that that it has anything to do with them being obligate carnivores? Is is that maybe why their body is functioning a little differently than than dogs and people as omnivores?
2: It's ab- absolutely because what they talk about. In you know when you're reading about fatty liver, the idea is in the wild where they're seeking food, they tend to maintain that slim, sleek body weight in the wild. And they don't have these excess fatty mm-hmm. reserves that, unfortunately, in domesticated cats occurs, and we've talked about this before. It's great because they're not having to wonder where their next meal is coming from because we're able to provide that. But in that same token, we know we have created obesity in our feline patients, which really do set them up because obesity, and then stop, you know, stopping to you know their eating behavior is setting them up for that excess fat to be pulled into the liver. And so that's a you know huge concern and and but it definitely has to do with um, you know the the protein intake. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. So I, I, I'm presuming here, then extrapolating from that, that diet can play a big role. I mean, obviously, if the cat stops eating, the cat stops eating no matter what it was eating to begin with. But if you're feeding your cat a very lean, perhaps raw, primarily meat based diet with lots of hydration rather than, you know, plant carbs and things like that, then they might be less susceptible to it.
2: That can have a positive effect. And as I would always say, just being cognizant you know, body condition scores and Mm -hmm. feeding appropriately, any diet becomes important.
1: Right. Because what we're
2: trying to prevent is obesity and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever form that takes, because, you know, while I fed, you know, a, uh, high quality commercial diet, I was very cognizant of the amounts and the body condition score to try to maintain AJ at a really good weight level. Um, which I think helps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I tell people that all the time. I'm always telling them just email me. I'll send you a body score chart. Cause I mean, Pico people see my cat and think that he's skinny because he's, he's a four and a half, probably five. He's absolutely ideal. You know, he has, he has some shape to him, (laughs) which is, I think sadly most cats are obese and people aren't used to seeing cats that have a shape that aren't bony, you know?
2: (laughs) Right. And, you know, and it's really simple. I always tell owners, I I think the scale is great. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for the listeners, look, you know, look at your cat. And what I always say is when you're petting them, which we often do often, you want to be able to feel their ribs but not really see them, you know, but they're easily felt. When you're looking at them from up above, you want to see that yeah, behind the rib cage. If they're straight back <laughs> or they're rounded, they're overweight. And my final little test uh that's easy is then when you look at them walking by you and you look from the side, you hope that you see that little abdominal tuck. So they hit the end of the sternum and it kind of goes up into the inguinal area. Um if it It's dropped and it's straight across, or definitely if it's sagging, you know, again, that's a cause of, you know, really assessing are they overweight or not. There are some sagginess sometimes can be they can still be a good weight and still have that little drop. But that's just those are the things I always say are easy to look at and gives you a good indication of where your cap may be uh, as far as good weight or maybe overweight. And like I said, if you if you see every single rib and they're severely dipped in, you know, they're so you know, that's the sign that they could be. Yeah. Thin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that primordial pouch that, that dangles down there, <laughs> they all have that, but it shouldn't be excessive. right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Cause we know when you stay neuter, right. you're going to get a laxity in that ligament that, does cause it to sag a little
1: bit yeah yeah (laughs) now i also i i recommend of course that people feed their cat frequently and that's based on on how frequent this species eats in the wild you know a dog can eat a couple times a day and probably in the wild does eat a couple times a day but a cat in the wild, is going to eat ten to twenty small meals. You know, their stomachs are usually tinier, so they're they're eating a lot. I I feed Pico five times a day, so if he misses a meal, there's lots of opportunity to make up calories, and it's very apparent to me because I'm feeding him meals which he's demanding right now by By biting me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, they, I can tell, you know, when he, when he hasn't eaten, because I'm putting down a pre, I'm putting down an ounce or two ounces of food, moist food at a time, and then I'm going to feed him again in four hours. And so I clearly know, what he's eaten and what he hasn't eaten, as opposed to free feeding, you know, dry food, where you don't know really how much your cat's consuming and and when. And so, if somebody's only feeding their cat, let's say they're feeding wet food, but they're only feeding them twice a day, then that twelve hours has gone by before they notice a skipped meal, and twenty four hours can be really quick.
2: Right. Yeah, and I. Whether you do it that way, I, I think when you're adding wet food into the mix and that's part of the diet, I'm I'm 100% with you. Uh, you know, I would never put wet food down and then just expect it to stay there all day because, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't even it wouldn't be appealing to me. And I can't imagine it's appealing to the cat as it starts to kind of get that little
0: yeah. dryness
2: on top and things like that. But I always explain to owners, I except free choice feeding of cats, a set
1: amount.
2: Uh So we were, as you and I've discussed in the past, we fed AJ a dry food. He was very good at drinking. So that, that kind of offset that concept of canned food for extra moisture, but it was a set amount. So I knew... If he was not finishing, because invariably it was a, an electric feeder that dropped once a day, I would, if I started to see excess, I monitored a little closer, but normally his bowl, it was always like the perfect amount, right? For pretty much his entire life. And, but the key there was I calculated what I needed to feed to maintain his body weight. And that was free feed, not the container where you the hopper, you fill it up and it just freely flows.
1: Right. It will. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And I, uh, yeah, I think, I think meal frequency is important in catching mm-hmm. this, you know, catching, knowing when your cat isn't intaking calories is is an issue and i think of i think of two situations w- one that i of course encounter every day and that's cats in the shelter that shelter setting is so stressful and then they have a sudden change in food and they they stop eating because they're scared to eat and that situation can become crucial in a in a short amount of time and then also transitioning food when you're transitioning your cat to a new food a different kind of food and they you know if you if you do it too quickly and not slowly because cats really don't like change then they they tend to to not eat
2: yeah yeah and you know and and this is where from a listener's point of view it's Being aware of behavior. That's the way I've always described it. We've talked about this almost every single time. Everybody to your point is going to potentially skip a meal. There could be a day you're just off and what, for whatever reason, you're always looking for that consistency coupled with how are they acting? Because let's face it, in our cats, if they get to the point where they're not eating, they're usually also at that point, they're showing you something. Whether it's a change in litter box behavior, whether they're not as active, af- there's usually some other sign that if you start putting it together and watching, those those are what drives you to go to the veterinarian for sure. And it's important as we're talking, we don't want this to linger a week. A week means the success of treatment changes dramatically because I'm not suggesting that they don't eat for 48 hours. They're in hepatic lipidosis or fatty liver syndrome where they're going to die if you don't circumvent it. What you're trying to do is recognize they're not eating That means changes are going to start occurring. And if you can treat that primary disease process, which we know up to 90% are something other than fatty liver, if you can reverse that, you're never going to have to get to the situation where now not only do you have to treat that disease process, but now the mainstay of treatment for hepatic lipidosis is a feeding tube whether you're putting it directly in the stomach, put it into the esophagus, putting it through uh, the pharyngeal area. So going basically through the mouth into the esophagus or going through the nose, eventually that is truly the only thing that's going to reverse hepatic lipidosis. And when you go to reverse it, you can be really successful if you diagnose the primary disease, get that under control, and then you can pull them 90% of those cats that go into pack lipidosis with aggressive treatment and solving the other problem, stand a good chance at, at reversing that disease process. Unfortunately, as the listener's question showed without it, it's
1: fatal. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 another situation that I personally encountered was I had a cat that, that had a, had stopped eating, mm-hmm. took him to the vet. And I'm like, why isn't he, why isn't he eating? And I told her, I said, I, I expect it's, it's something dental. And she examined and missed it and said, I don't see his teeth look fine. He wasn't the most cooperative patient. So I could see how he might miss it, but she she didn't catch it. She said, we don't see anything wrong. So I took him home and I was going through different cat foods every day. And about every third day, he'd circle back and eat a little bit, but not much. And he was losing weight and it was getting serious. And uh, then months had gone by and I took him to a different vet in a different city who said, oh yeah, he's got like three abscesses and You know, he had to have teeth extractions. And what was happening was he would eat the food and he would associate the pain in his mouth as he was eating with that particular flavor. And he'd go, no, I'm not going to eat that. And then the next day, and I'd have a different flavor and he'd go, okay, this is different. I'll have a couple bites of it, but then that would hurt too. And he'd go, no, I'm not going to eat that. And so it was really, basically the dental issue was leading to um, a fatty liver situation because he wouldn't eat. Right, because it hurt.
2: I know absolutely. So you have your dental diseases, hyperthyroidism.
1: Interesting. Now, how does how, how does hyperthyroidism cause fatty liver? It's the same thing.
2: All these things left unchecked prevent the feline from eating,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then the eating is the not eating is what drives the body to start pulling from those reserves. So anything anything that makes them stop eating can predispose them to fatty liver. And whether it's a cancerous process like lymphoma, whether it's inflammatory bowel disease that gets them to stop eating, Mm -hmm. I mean, you name it. Um, You know, I was looking and Cornell says 28% of them that ended up with uh, hepatic lipidosis had inflammatory bowel disease, 20% had some other liver disease that ultimately led to it once they stopped eating, uh, you know, hepatitis, cholangiohepatitis, those type of processes. 14% were cancer, 11% pancreatitis, Mm -hmm. 5% was social.
1: Oh, so new
2: new home. Yeah. Stress. Something as simple as stress, uh, respiratory disease. Obviously if they can't smell, or they can't breathe. Yeah. They're not gonna eat. That's four yeah. percent of them. And two percent were diabetes. So that's over 70% of 157 cats they looked at that had that those secondary things that drove them to ultimately show hepatic lipidosis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I can't help but think about our shelter cats and how. And and I had read on the Internet that even if a cat skips just a few meals, not necessarily, you know, 48 hours, that it can cause secondary liver changes. Mm-hmm. So it, it can even though they might not be full fatty liver syndrome, it's damaging the liver if they're not getting enough calories every single day. Is that? would you agree with that? I,
2: I Absolutely. And wow. That's why I always said I kind of recommended something a little different for our feline, my feline patients than I did for the canine. Because them calling, my cat, uh, my dog hasn't eaten for four days. Okay. Yeah. You should come in. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not sitting there going, okay, now I'm up against the clock because they're going to get fatty liver with the cats, four days to me is to get them in here now because I need, it doesn't mean straight to feeding tube. It just means I need to try to figure out what's going on to get them back on food because I know this other thing is going to potentially occur, which, uh, is a, a major complicating factor. Yeah. Like I said, you hate to have hepatic lipidosis be the reason you lose that family member when we can do something if we're there. And unfortunately, as we both know, because sometimes people are reluctant, they it complicates our ability to intervene in that timely fashion. And when you get to that, we're not talking typically one to two to three days of feeding through a tube. It's usually we send them home. The owner needs to do it for as much as four to six weeks after because we need to make give that liver a chance to to heal itself you know over time Mm -hmm. the interesting component here is you know again i'm going through this even personally where i have a couple of liver values that were up at my annual and it's being pursued you know she is definitely aggressively conservative (laughs) but in my head when i look at and and one of the values that I'm going to talk about, or the main value, Foss is fine in, in, in me, but uh, in our pet population, I'm looking at tremendous, you know, two-time value increases where I'm like the lights are going off, find out what's going on. A few points here and there on a single blood draw does not impact me. However, in cats, Alkaline phosphatase is never going to just be elevated in a normal circumstance.
1: Because mm-hmm. it's like stress you know. elevated or.
2: Correct. Dogs. There are so many different things that create that high alkaline phosphatase. And you kind of go, mm. okay, let's keep an eye on it. We may need to pursue it. Cats, that value's high. Something's going on.
1: And is that, does, is that ALK on the blood? Uh, ALP alp on the blood work yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so the three that we tend to look at ast um and alt are two of the liver values you see that increase with destruction of liver cells um and and those can be elevated without the fear of hepatic lipidosis when we see alkaline phosphatase in a cat increase that's when I start thinking, oh my gosh, are we in moving towards hepatic lipidosis? Because that value should not be high in a cat.
1: Hmm, interesting. Now, one of the, the thing that I found that temporary fix, obviously if this is happening, get your cat to the vet, but yeah. <laughs> your cat's got to eat and Vitacraft's Lick and Lap, which I don't happen to have any laying here because Pico will chew up the packet and then it leads to blockage and then he won't eat. Yeah. And then we got a problem, but <laughs> but they're little pink packets and they are like cat crack. I absolutely get cats to eat who are totally stressed in the shelter, aren't eating or trying all different kinds of food, put some lick and lap on their food or just flat on the floor of their kennel and they'll eat that stuff up. At least it's a little bit of calories, you know, to get them going until you can, you can get them to the vet. But once you have, the cat on the feeding tube, let's say they have full fatty acid, you know, fatty liver syndrome and Mm -hmm. you're, you've got them on the feeding tube and the owner's doing it. Does the liver ever revert back to a normal healthy condition or is it always compromised from that point going forward?
2: No, I, I mean, you obviously for them to get 90% resolution of fatty liver you got to get the fat out of the, you know, the liver and partly what stops the fat from being pulled in is eating. Mm -hmm. And so they do, it, 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 there's always going to be, anytime you get insults to, to organs, there can be an issue, but the liver is remarkable and being able to regenerate and repair. Uh, you know, right. it's one of the main players of getting rid of a lot of handling a lot of good stuff, but also handling a lot of the bad stuff that we do to our bodies or to our pets' bodies. Right. Uh, you know, and and so with treatment, and that's the exciting part about this with hepatic lipidosis, is God forbid your patient, your your family member ends up having it with treatment there's a good chance that that we can resolve that but it usually also involves hey why yeah why did why did we get here it's very rarely just the fact that they have
1: yeah Yeah, usually
2: something else and that ultimately determines all you know the prognosis of How are we going to do long term if it's a severe cancer obviously we know that may not be great outcome long term but if it's something that antibiotics and other treatments can reverse or you can control diabetes then you stand a good chance at that not being why they they're not with us as long as we hope they are
1: yeah yeah but so so that process of eating Actually makes the liver start processing that fat. It's built up and retained once they stop eating again.
2: The liver doesn't want to process that. It's not meant to do that, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yes, you got to stop it from coming in so it can
1: it can flush it it out. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good that there's there's definitely. Definitely treatments, but but clearly you've got to get to the reason the cat's not eating in the first place and fix that so that you don't ever get there
2: was exactly
1: the ideal situation. Yeah.
2: It truly you know, truly is. And I think the good news is in this environment in veterinary medicine now, we know that our biggest struggle is getting our feline patients to just come to the practice for routine care, yeah, routine exactly. exams, things like that. But I will say that owners are a lot better when they're seeing something that's not right. And we see in private practice myself, this is not something that I always treated and it wasn't because I didn't, I think we got to them fast enough to be able to prevent the hepatic lipidosis from occurring. And that's why I didn't have to treat so many of these patients for hepatic lipidosis because the owners knew not to wait forever.
1: Yeah so important. I mean th- those annual vet visits which Pico is is actually a little couple months overdue. I need to get him in, but those those annual vet visits are so 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 important for the okay. health of your cat. And it is stressful. I mean, you know, there let's face it, it's not easy to take your cat to the vet. If you have multiple cats, it's not easy bringing that cat back home that now smells different and could cause unrecognition aggression. I mean, it's a process. It's a process getting them into the carrier, into the car, through the ride, through the visit without... You know, anybody getting hurt or them getting, <laughs> hurting themselves and getting too stressed up and then re-entry back into the, to the home. Yeah, it is a process, but it's worth it if it means that, you know, it can help keep your cat alive longer. So, no, so ab-
2: absolutely. And it goes all the way back to what you said, no matter how many cats you have, no matter what the situation is, knowing the behavior of your cat and being very in tune with what's happening, whatever that looks like to be able to do that, whether it's you feeding multiple meals, so you know, Mm -hmm. or what I did with AJ and had a controlled mechanism of an exact amount per day. And I checked every single day to see where we were at before I went to bed. Because that was how I would know. if That's he, how you that gauge, sure. You know what? I only, he <laughs> maintained 16 pounds at a half a cup of dry food a day. Mm-hmm. So this cat was not going to miss or not finish that amount, but it maintained his weight, right? So whatever it takes, that is a component of it. Knowing their water intake becomes incredibly important not only from not taking it in, but taking too much of it in. What's their litter box? These are simple things that as long as you are monitoring and knowing where you begin and where you end becomes so dramatically important, knowing cats are not going to, as we always joke, if if a dog uh, catches their nail, the world is going to know because they're going to shout it to whoever will listen.
1: <laughs>
2: Our feline patients aren't. They're they're going to hide it. They're not going to tell you, but they may change something that is very important that you would go, okay, I need to watch. And if two days go by, I always say, go.
1: Yeah.
2: Just hey. If they go, this is all it is, great. That is a huge win, but it could end up.
1: Yeah, it um, could be something very something serious. serious. Absolutely. And, and weigh your cat. You should weigh your cat once a week. You know, Get a digital scale and you get on it and then go pick up your cat and get on it and subtract the two. And that way, you know how much your cat weighs and weigh your cat at least weekly. So you you also know if their weight is changing. Or if you're like me and don't, Want to know what my weight is. <laughs> Especially holding it, a 16 pound hat.
2: <laughs> put it in a carrier. Know how much the carrier.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always pick up Pico and get back on the scale and go, oh my God.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, You've gained weight. It has to be you. It's not yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for, for coming today. Is there anything else about fatty liver that we didn't we didn't discuss? no okay I think
2: we've I think we've covered it all uh you know you're a veterinarian. there are other things that can be done again, depending on on what's happening to to try to help, like you know b twelve and some other things, but ultimately, it's getting it diagnosed, being aware that there's that potential, and in worst case scenario, if it's thought to be then you know, we need to take the appropriate steps because it really does have a dramatic impact on the success of allowing them to, to clear that, uh, fat from the liver so they can, can stay with us because it will shut the liver down left unchecked or left untreated.
1: Yeah, yeah. So feed your cat the proper amount. Feed your cat a a good meat protein diet. Feed it Mm -hmm. enough so that you know when your cat's eating and not eating. Check the body score of your cat. Make sure your cat's got a really good body score. And keep the stress in your environment low so that the cat doesn't, you know, freak out and and get stressed and not eat because there's a neighborhood cat visiting outside or things like that. And by all means, take your cat to the vet at least once a year so that you've got that blood work and baseline and you're comparing year to year and and you can catch things before they get too far out of control. And you can go visit our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org and go to the behavior boutique and buy some lickin' lap so you have it on hand. <laughs> all the proceeds from the store benefit the nonprofit. So go buy some Lickin' Lap case your cat stops eating. You'll have it and you can use it as a food topper and get something in them until you can get them to the vet. Thank Perfect. you again for joining us today. We really My appreciate. pleasure as always. Yeah, we look forward to next time. And thank you everyone for tuning in with us today. And until next time, keep calm and
0: purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at CatBehaviorSolutions.com. That's CatBehaviorSolutions.com and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, Go make a connection with your feline friend.